Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 331 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is as unique as I can make them. Today, I'm going to be speaking with a grandmother of two children who have type 1 diabetes. Now, you might think that doesn't sound that unique, Scott. Well, it's because you don't know all the details. Shirley is the grandmother, and I spoke with her only a few days removed from her 100th birthday. That's right. The grandchildren that she's been trying to help, those grandchildren are adults with children of their own. But Shirley is still out there banging the drum for type 1 diabetes awareness. Shirley will share with you why she's so passionate about type 1 diabetes, what she thinks of this lockdown for the coronavirus. She'll actually talk about a lot of different things. Want to find out how refrigerators worked before electricity? Or what it was like to hear a radio for the first time? Shirley knows, and we chatted about it. When this is all over, if you're so inclined, please take a look at the fundraiser Shirley's doing for her 100th birthday celebration. It benefits the JDRF. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, and touched by type 1. To get a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your home, your home, that was weird, directly to your home, please go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Want to find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor? Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. By the way, you may be eligible for an absolutely free Contour Next One blood glucose meter, You'll find out if you are at contournextone.com. And of course, my favorite diabetes organization, Touched by Type 1. Check them out at touchedbytype1.org. You'll find links to all of the sponsors as well as Shirley's fundraiser in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. My name is Shirley uh, Bornstein, but actually, that's my third last name. <laughs> That's your third last uh, my, name? My first uh, name when I was born is Shirley Blonstein. Then it was Shirley Murphys when I married Stanley Murphys. And then after he died, I married Herman Bornstein. So I, my first name and my present name are just a few letters apart. <laughs> and and I understand from Sarah that you are in New Jersey. I am, yes. It just it just so happened I was born in New Jersey. Whereabout? In Bay Bayonne. Bayonne. And then I we when I was three years old we moved down south. My wife's first professional boss uh, is the her favorite person she's ever worked for. Uh, his name was John, and he uh, is from Bayonne, still lives there now. He absolutely loves it there. So when you say you were born in Bayonne, you mean in 1920? 20. Wow. And so in 1923, your family left New Jersey and went to the South. Right. Wow. No kidding. Okay. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. I hope you don't mind. You are, have you already celebrated your birthday or is it coming up? 
No, it was April 25th, last Saturday. Congratulations. It's lovely. Tell people how old you are. I'm 100. Okay. Now, does everyone you meet ask you the secret to living to be 100 years old? Not necessarily. No, surely <laughs> I'm going to. Okay. So, <laughs> Do you feel like you lived in a way that created longevity, or do you not think anything special about your life like that? No, I as a friend of mine who went past 100, the only different thing I did is I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep doing it. You're doing great. <laughs> You're, you had another friend who lived past 100? No, my family all, they really didn't live very long. My father died at 65. My mother at 72. My two sisters uh, were in their 70s, and I don't know why I'm living so long, but I may—I think it's because I so desperately want to see a cure for type 1 diabetes. How, um, how are you connected to type 1? I have two grandchildren. And they both have diabetes? Type 1. Type 1. I have... I have a lot of grandchildren. Oh, okay. And great-grandchildren. I have 24 great-grandchildren. But these two have type 1 diabetes. Right. Are they both on... It's because you've had... I'm, I'm assuming, let me ask, you had two husbands. Were you married to both of them for a long enough time to have a family with each of them? No. No? My first family was with Stanley Murphys, and we got married in 1945 during the war, and he died in 1979, and I had three children with him. And you guys, so you guys were married th almost 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then... uh when I remarried to Herman Bornstein, I have three stepchildren. Okay. Wow. Well, I really have six children altogether. And so the 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 grandchildren with the type one diabetes are from your first marriage. Yes, my and from his older, uh, I am my oldest son. Okay, and and so tell me a little bit about your grandkids. How how, how old are they? Do we? Will we say their names on here, or do you keep that private? No. What do you want to know? Well, let's start with how old they are. Oh, Bruce, my oldest child mm -hmm. is 72, uh, okay. and he's a pediatrician, and in the front line on this virus right now, and he's married to a nurse who goes into the hospital every day, and they're the two I worry about the most. Of course. They had three children, have three children, Gus and Sarah, who have the type 1 diabetes, mm -hmm. and then um, their youngest is named Stanley after his grandfather. Okay. And he's really a hero. I have to mention him. Because when Gus needed a kidney and his failed due to diabetes, Gus, uh, Stanley stepped up to the plate 
and gave him a kidney. That's amazing. That is a very selfless thing. Have you ever thought about that? I have. Like, could you give an organ to someone if they asked for it? It's a big decision. He made the decision. Yeah. When they were looking for a donor, he stepped up and said, test me. And he was a good match. That's amazing. How, how old is Gus and Sarah and Stanley? He's about 42 or 43. In his 40s, okay. Yeah. And um, Stanley was born in 81. 91, 2001. So he's about 30. Yeah, he's yeah. in his 30s. Did, did, did your son Bruce have an oops baby and was it Stanley? <laughs> no. No, no, not, not an extra one at the end? I got just Well, listen. They've been married for um, a number of years. Sarah was the oldest. Oh, okay. Sarah's older. So Sarah is older than Gus. Oh, yes. Do they all live nearby with you in the South? No, they live in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I live in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> How long have you been working to you know help raise awareness for type 1 diabetes? Since 1985. My goodness. That's when I retired. Uh, I was working for Emory University Medical School mm -hmm. with a very prominent cardiologist, Dr. Nanette Wenger. And then I retired in 1985 when I was 65 and went to work uh, almost immediately with JDRF. No kidding. What, Shirley, what did you do um, for 35 years? 25 years I worked. I did a research. I was a research coordinator on cardiac research. Wow, that's amazing. Do you ever feel like you've had four lives? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done a lot of different things. You certainly have. I mean, you, you, you had a I full... Was, uh, I graduated from Temple University with a degree in medical technology. Okay. I grew up just outside of Philadelphia. You came up here from Atlanta to go to school? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's so you Well, because they offered a degree mm -hmm. in medical technology. Was that something was that uncommon for women or no? Were you like leading the way being a woman in that industry? No. No. Uh, there were other women in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had really wanted to be a doctor, but uh, in the 1930s, it wasn't considered um, proper for a woman to be a doctor, including my father, who was very opposed to it. So I found another career. I'm sorry. Do you think you would have made a good doctor? <laughs> I can't tell. I don't have a crystal ball, but I probably would have gone into research. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, you know, it, it, you said that happened to you, I guess, at the end of the 1930s when my wife went into college and told her parents she wanted to be a doctor. They said, well, what about a nurse? You know, I, I, I don't think that ever it hasn't gone away too much for some reason for some people, the idea that women shouldn't do that. But obviously they can and should. Um, so you had a. Uh, uh, two, you know, you married two different men. You loved two men, raised a family, worked a full career, retired at a good age, 
and then went on to to spend 35 years right to this day still trying to you know hold up the JDRF which is really amazing. Do you have any idea how much money you've raised over the years for them? Oh, no idea. But I never stop. Just keep going. How do you do that? How do you how do you talk to people about diabetes? I tell them it's a terrible disease and the biggest robber of childhood I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Because I know ch- most of the children that I raised and that I know had very carefree childhoods who thought about shots and tests and blood sugars. Yeah. But then there came my grandchildren who had to cope with this. Yeah. And it- Gus, since he was three years old. And Gus needed a kidney, and you're saying that was from diabetes. How old was he about when that happened? Do you remember? He might have been in his 20s. Do you know much about how your grandchildren manage their diabetes and how has it changed over the years for them? Oh, it's changed completely. Uh, I think in the beginning you did urine tests to figure how much with insulin you needed and since then there have been tremendous advances yeah there really are my my daughter's wearing an insulin pump right now and a continuous glucose monitor right they all do oh sarah and gus wear all that stuff now too oh yes yeah that's excellent and gus's biggest problem from uh, the diabetes is his eyesight. He's legally blind. Oh, I'm sorry. And um, he has, we have gotten him a diabetic dog who lets him know when his blood sugars are up or down. And that's a tremendous help because it's hard for him to read a small sensor. Yeah, yeah. I think about that. You know, when I think about it, I'm um I'm only 48. I, I've by the way, thank you. You make me feel young today. I, I don't get that feeling too often. But when oh, in, you're a baby. <laughs> I'm now feeling like I've only lived like two of my four lives, so I'm doing okay. But at night, when I go in to help my daughter, in the last five or so years, I need glasses now to look at the meter, and it made me right away think of all the people who need glasses who are by themselves and wake up in the middle of the night and need to look at these things and can't see them. Is Gus um, uh, married or is he alone? What's his situation? No, he's married and he has a little girl who's fine. Good. That's amazing. Do do you think they worry about his daughter perhaps getting diabetes one day? Do you ever talk about that? Well, of course. Uh, And Sarah has two little girls. So I have three great-grandchildren that Mm -hmm. I keep hoping will avoid Type one diabetes. Yeah. How is your health in general? I, I know that you're I know your age, but do you have you been through things in your life that you've battled past? Oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't everybody? Well yeah, I, my my list is starting to build up. No, but but you know, it's just interesting. Like I, I kind of imagine that if somebody sees you at a hundred, they might think you were just you know, you were so lucky, you just didn't get sick, nothing ever happened. But you've had surgeries and, and gone through hard times? I've had, uh, I, and I'm 
think I can't go back to the doctor right now with this being isolated. Yeah. But I have battled breast cancer and I'm taking a pill, letrozole, that at last um, examination has shrunk. And um, I'm just hoping it continues to shrink. Yeah. No, that's how. So, have you not had breast cancer for long? When were you diagnosed with that? Uh, just two or three years ago. No kidding. And and you're using medication to treat it right now. I take pills, letrozole. Yeah. My goodness. And uh, I've also had surgery on for a hernia. Um, that. The colon came through and was very painful. And I guess I had all the childhood things. Right, right. How much, can I ask you how much activity you get in the course of a day? What do you do to stay, I don't know, mobile? Like my my mom, who I tease all the time about being old, is 76. And now I feel like I, I owe her an apology. Uh, but she, you know, she I know what she does to to stay, you know, active. What do you do? Well, for years, I did Tai Chi, and then I had a, a very bad fall, and um, I have to use a walker. Okay. Um, I'm not as steady as I used to be, and I try to keep active, Yeah. but um, it's limited. Right. Well. Because I use this walker. The walker slows it down. I hate. I can't imagine you like it, no. But I guess it helps you, so in the end. Um, Yeah, well, I had a very bad fall uh, last year. I was 99 when I had this bad fall. mm -hmm. And I haven't been as mobile since. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. But I stay... work on the computer and I read a lot and I try to stay active. Do you watch Netflix? Do you have a favorite show? Uh, Just the news in the evening. The news, yeah. And then I find that depressing. (laughs) Well, no kidding. (laughs) I can't listen anymore. I hear you. Can I ask you how, um, because you have a lot of, you know, historical knowledge. You, I mean, you saw... I guess you saw um, a couple of pandemics throughout the years. How? How? Well, the, I was born af- after the end of the last pandemic. No kidding. On the Spanish flu. Okay. Which was, I guess, 1917, 18, 19. It was, but then I, I was born in 1920. 20. I'm trying to think what, when was Legionnaires in Philly? Oh, it was a few years back. Yeah, I bet you. They started on a cruise ship, I think, and they contributed it to air conditioning. In, in a in a in a hotel in Philadelphia, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I yeah. I wonder when that was. I'm gonna find out. Hold on one second. 1976. Okay. Wow. 86, 96, 2016. Wow, that was a long time ago. Okay, and so and so, how are you finding this idea of? I mean, what's the most limiting aspect for you, being an older person? Is it not being able to go to the doctor? Is it 
the idea of, you know, you can't really be in contact with people. How is it affecting Oh, I'm in contact with people all the time. Uh, We, on the, uh, through email, through the telephone, no, and and on my birthday, we had a Zoom of about 100 people. (laughs) That's amazing. And I know you, we won't meet her, but you have a health, uh, a health worker who lives with you. Is she there 24-7 with you? Yes. That's nice. She doesn't leave. She was here when we began to hear how bad it was. And she's been here ever since. No kidding. Her husband uh, takes care of their high school daughter. Mm-hmm. They're isolated. And he comes over and brings things and they wave through the window. But they do not see each other. Oh, my goodness. And she's doing that. I mean, they see each other. They do not have any personal contact. Right. And is that to keep you safe? Yes. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's very lovely of them to do. Oh, she is a wonderful person. I don't know why she walked out. Oh, yeah. We tried to get her to stay on the camera in the beginning. She said, this isn't for me. (laughs) Um, Well, that's really amazing. How long has she been with you? Since the beginning of March. No kidding. That's really wonderful of her. That's lovely. And so you're not able to go to your doctors right now. What do you think about, I have to ask you, because you're in Atlanta and Georgia's talking about opening up restrictions. Oh, they are. They're opening up all kinds of things. I think our governor is completely stupid. (laughs) Shirley, I was wondering what you were going to say, but I appreciate you being honest. I'm very honest. Yeah, yeah. I think he's an idiot. <laughs> and I think we're going to have an upswing of the stupid virus. Yeah. I, I don't see how it By can't opening be. up nail salons, tattoo parlors. Can you think of anything worse? No. No. I, I can't, I'm trying to understand why those are the first things that we're, we're getting to. I guess I know... I, you know what I mean? I think he probably owns a strip mall that has them on it. <laughs> I think he's thinking of money more important than health. Yeah, it might be. I think you're. I think you're right. I think you know. It's a short. Listen, we obviously have to get the the economy going at some point. You know, we'll, eventually, we'll cause such a problem financially. We'll kill people in a different way. But in the moment. It, it it is really difficult not to feel like that. Like it's a it's a you're putting you know money in front of health. I just pulled up your your type one diabetes fundraiser uh, that you have set up for your birth for your birthday. And my goodness, you're you're up to twenty nine thousand dollars. Okay, and let's give them the uh, the link. The link. Well, the link's a little. It's long, right? So what I'll do. Too long. You don't think so? Hold on. What is it? I maybe, can tell it to you in a few seconds. Go, maybe I'm looking at the wrong one. Go ahead. www.jdrf.org slash go to slash Shirley B100. Shirley B100. So www.jdrf.org slash go to Slash Shirley B, 100. Right. I did it. Okay, so I'm going to put that, Shirley, you don't need to know about this, but when I post your video and your audio, I'll put that link right where people can click on it. And I hope the people from the podcast, Shirley's trying to get to $35,000, and she's a, a little over 29000 So if anybody can kick in, 
that would be really, really nice. Okay, and I think they do the S in Shirley capital. Okay, and the capital B, B the well. rest in lowercase. All right, don't worry. I'll I'll get I'll make sure I have it right when I share it, and people can click on it. All right, listen, I got to talk to you a little more about the virus. So <laughs> is it when you first you said you're listening to the news. So a number of weeks ago, when it's all becoming kind of obvious what's happening, how do you prepare to, to protect yourself or, uh, immediately? To stay home, to stay isolated. Yeah. Just it, there's nothing more to it, right? Just keep to yourself for a little while and and let people pass. Let let medicines that not to have any contact and god bless valencia she was here listening to the news with me because i had a group of caretakers that took turns because my sons all thought i should never be left alone right after that bad fall i had of course and um i said i think we should be isolated and she said, I think so, too. Nice. And we agreed we'd stay together. And she talked to her husband. And they agreed, too. He'd stay isolated with his, their daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, she'd stay isolated with me. It just it makes sense. My family has been, uh, you know, we've been all together in this house for, my gosh, it's coming up on it's going to be two months in a couple of weeks, so we're over six weeks already. And every, now tell every, me what your family consists of. Well, I've been married to my wife Kelly since 1996, and we have two children. My son is tw- 20 years old. His name's Cole. Uh, he's a college student, but you know they they sent him home, obviously. So he's uh, finishing up his sophomore year uh, this week online. And my daughter's also a sophomore, but in high school, so she's 15. And she's the one who has type 1 diabetes. She was diagnosed when she was two years old. Did anyone else in your family have type 1? So, Shirley, I'm adopted, so I don't have any history beyond me uh, on my bloodline. But on my wife's side of the family, there is a fair amount of other autoimmune issues, but not type 1 diabetes. Do you see that in your family? Do you see other autoimmune stuff like uh, hypothyroidism or celiac? Uh, Yes. And strangely enough, it's one of my grandsons of my step family Mm -hmm. that has celiacs. So autoimmune diseases are all around. Yeah. No, they're, and they're more prevalent, it seems to me, over the last couple of decades than they have been prior. Or maybe they were just things that we didn't know about. I'm not sure. Well, I think there's two reasons for that. One is climate change and a lot of pollutants in the air and also better testing and diagnosing. Right. No, yeah, I think so, too. I, I It's hard to argue with. I mean, you're seeing it over the last couple of weeks, right? We're all in our homes, so we're not driving our cars and factories aren't running. And even my son, who doesn't pay attention to stuff like this at all, said to me the other day, have you noticed that the air feels fresher? It's it's just, he's like, it, it's almost neutral. Like, there's no odor to it whatsoever. And you're getting those reports from all over the country that smog and pollution are lifting and all of these things are. And look how quickly they changed, you know, in a few weeks. 
that we learn to stop factories. <laughs> There's got to be a way to do things that we have to do that are be- that it is a more safe way for everyone because you know it, it's not going to matter how cheaply we can make a cell phone if we're all hiding in our house for the rest of our lives, right? The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor will give you invaluable data. How would you like to know the speed and direction that your blood sugar is moving? Is it climbing at one point per minute, two points? How fast is it falling? How would you like to know if you're going to be under 55 20 minutes from now? The Dexcom G6 can tell you that. Dexcom also offers a share and follow feature, meaning that a loved one with type 1 diabetes can be anywhere and their information will go up into the cloud and down to a follower. It almost is magical, but honestly, it's just the cloud. I guess that's not that magical. It is, however, available for iPhone and Android. For instance, right now, I'll pick up my phone. I will unlock my phone and tell you that my daughter's blood sugar is 148. Actually, I'd like her to do a little bit of a bolus. So I'm just gonna send her a text and say one unit. My daughter happens to be downstairs right now, but that's exactly the way we handle our blood sugar when she's at school or at a friend's house or at a sporting event. And you could too. Find out more at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You could also use the same insulin pump that Arden's been wearing since she was four years old. It's not hard to do. You go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and ask Omnipod to send you a free, no obligation demo, which they will do. It'll arrive at your home and you or your child or loved one can wear the Omnipod to see how it feels, to see how it looks, to see how it would integrate into your life. Then you're gonna get a real feeling for what it means when I say a tubeless insulin pump, not connected to anything, nothing to clip to your belt, really small, you can kind of hide it if you want to, or wear it proud. Doesn't matter. Whatever makes you feel right. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Five second dance party and then back to Shirley. Tell me over the years, what have you done for the JDRF? Well, I used to work in the office till we got a paid staff. And I also started, uh, I figured that education was the most important thing. And children should know and understand what's happening to them. So I started um, a children's educational uh, program and we called it Sugar Show, where um, kids learn. We did all kinds of things that asking about type one diabetes, so children could understand. And now I think everyone understands how important education is. Yeah, and we have the uh, Type One Nation Summit. Mm-hmm. That's education for everybody, for the children, for um, parents, for caregivers, for teachers. Everyone needs to understand this. Do you, do you know that I just gave 
uh, talk in Atlanta at your Type One Diabetes Nation Summit. That's what I understand. Yeah, I t- I I come to the summits. I've done about eight or nine of them in the last year or so, and I come and I explain how we use insulin. It seems overly simple, but we talk about how we use insulin to stop spikes and to stop low blood sugars so that you can have more stability and spend less time thinking about your blood sugar. And I, I love those events. Those um, Type 1 Nation events are wonderful. They bring in I, all kinds of I people. think they're great. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't know about you. I'd have been in your talk uh, and to listen to you. Were you there that day? Probably. Oh, I was excellent. I don't miss many things. Oh, I was excellent. You really missed it. <laughs> well, maybe hopefully I can come back uh, when all of this, you know, goes uh, get, becomes less common and, and do it again. I would love to meet you in person. That would be wonderful. So you worked right. So you were a, um, a volunteer until they got an office staff. You help build programs. I guess you make phone calls for donations and, and all that stuff. Have you ever? Oh, yes. And I also started a grandparents group. We that, call it grandparents care. <laughs> that's lovely. You know, I have a lot of, so I don't know how much you understand about what I do, but usually I don't record video. I just record audio and it's available for people to listen to um, through a podcast. And it's it's incredibly popular. Uh, and Now, what is a, a, your podcast? It's called the Juice Box Podcast. So I interview people who have type 1 diabetes, are the parents of type 1s, um, a lot of CEOs of companies that do things around diabetes. And we just talk either conversationally like this, hearing people's stories. Uh, sometimes we talk about real management stuff, the way to use insulin. Um, we talk about technology and where it's going. It's been, um, the podcast is, it's six years old. There's 330 episodes of this. So now tell me, what's the name of it? Juice Box? Yeah, it's called the Juice Box Podcast because, you know, people use juice boxes to bring their blood sugars up. So, I know. yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's what it's called. And I've had it for a long time. I started to write about diabetes in 2007. And then in 2014, I started thinking about making this into an audio show. It took me about six months to figure out all the technical stuff, and then I started the show in January of 20, uh, 2015. Now, if I want to tune into it, what do I do? Well, you could um, – do you have an iPhone? Do you have a phone? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, if you have an iPhone, there's an app on the iPhone where you can listen. Um, you can and listen online. And it's called Juicebox. It's called it's called Juicebox Podcast. I will send you a link so you can so you can Valencia can help you get on it. Good. Okay, so you'll at least be able to listen to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be appalled. <laughs> no, no. Every You know, everyone thinks they're not going to be good, and then everyone ends up doing a wonderful job. Uh, it's it's very interesting. No one thinks they have anything interesting to say, but they always do. Um, I'm, I'm, I have to ask you a little bit about uh, the cost of diabetes now versus before. And I guess just the cost of things in general and how you've seen them change over your life. Do you remember things like what you paid for your house, your first home and things like that? Oh, I certainly do. I'd love to know. And it's gone up amazingly. A little bit, right? Yeah. What did you pay for your first home? My first home or this home? Well, do you remember your very first home when you got married? What'd you pay? Certainly. Well, we were in a, we rented in an apartment. Right. 
But then the first house we bought was $23,000. No kidding. Isn't that something? And now real estate in Atlanta is incredibly expensive. I do. You, I wonder what that house is worth now. Oh, I probably could way up. And the house I live in now, and I'm still in my own house, I bought in 1964. Okay. So I have been here quite a while. What did you pay for this and one? I, can you hear me? I can. I'm sorry. I was wondering what you paid for the, this house that you're in now. $50,000. $50,000. Is it paid off? That's all yours, I guess? Oh, sure. <laughs> That's wonderful. We paid that off ages ago. And I have been offered amazing amounts of money for it. But I have no intention of selling it and moving. I would hate to live in one of those um, retirement places right. and be with old people. I have neighbors. I have children that have moved in. And I enjoy children. Yeah. No, I don't think there's any reason for you to go, especially if you're able and you have good help. I, I, I listen, I think for people who have to go to a home, if they have to, they have to. But your situation is, it's too perfect. I love my house. Yeah. And I have very good help. Yeah. Good for you. That's why. I mean, you've lived in that house over 50 years. Is that right? Oh, 50. Um, where are we now? In 20. So 56 years. No kidding. That's amazing. You bought that house. Eight years before I was born, <laughs> and I've owned and I've owned this house for twenty years, <laughs> so that's pretty great. It really is an exception. Do you ever think about how kind of exceptional it is for you to be very independent at your age and and doing all that? It really is uncommon, isn't it? Well, I don't know anyone my age. All my friends have died. What is that like? Is it is it hard to see people go over and over? Or do you? Come? Of course it is. Yeah, it doesn't. How can it, it ever be nice to see a dear friend go? Right. No, I just wondered if it got easier over the years if you came to expect it, but I don't imagine. No, it's no. never easy. Do you have an idea of how old you think you're going to be? Like, do you, do you ever wonder about that? Well, I'll tell you a little story, please. On my 99th birthday, one of my sons gave a party, and um, one of my grandsons, Stanley, in fact, mm -hmm. uh, Bruce's youngest son, said, called me and said he was sorry, couldn't be there, he was too busy. He's been made the um, head of a history department at Arizona State. And he had so much to do in curriculum and lectures, and he didn't have time. But he said he'll probably have some time in about 10 years. When I'm, so he'll promise he'll give me my, he'll take care of my 110th birthday party. And that must I don't have to worry about it. So <laughs> I, I, I'll be around for Stanley to do my 110th yeah. birthday party. I imagine you will be, by the way. <laughs> I, I really do. That's something else. Um, 
I, I was just thinking, and I and it, the the your your story was delightful, and the thought went out of my head. Um, I, oh, wh- when you think back on your life, if you were to share something with someone, uh, a regret or something you've learned that you think is really important to know, is, do you have a a nugget like that, like something you'd want people to know about about living? All right, I have been asked. What do I think is the greatest advance I've seen in my lifetime? Mm-hmm. Number one, I'd say dryers. I hated going outside hanging up clothes right. to dry. And the second thing I think is the most important, most rewarding advance are cell phones. When my kids were teenagers, I didn't have, we didn't have cell phones. Right. And I used to worry about them till they got home, till I heard that door open. Right, right. And um, especially after they started to drive. And it's so good now if you have a teenager out in the car, you can call and ask where they are and when they're coming home. That's, that's some, so convenient. I have to tell you, Cheryl, you don't know this about me, but. A while ago now, I think it's been more than seven years. I've I wrote a book, and the the title of the book is "Life is Short, Laundry is Eternal," uh, because I've been a stay at home dad for over twenty years, and the only thing I hate about it is doing the laundry. But I've never had to hang clothes up to dry them. I guess if I had that, I'd really hate it. <laughs> well, if you had, we got a washing machine. Mm-hmm. But then I had to take the clothes outside to dry them. Yeah. You've seen and, you've seen refrigerators that you had ice delivered. Oh, I to, remember right? the ice man coming with the ice. That's something. My grandmother used to talk about that. Uh about a block of ice that went in the bottom of the refrigerator to keep the food cold and the man would come yeah. every so often with a new block of ice. And I can remember though wonderful fresh vegetables. We used to have a farmer that came with his, um, I guess it was a horse and buggy, and he brought vegetables to us um, every day that he picked in the morning. And Mama would go out and pick the ones we'd have for dinner. Yeah. And we had really fresh vegetables. Nothing tastes as good as it used to. Even, you know, even stuff you're not supposed to eat, like cereal in a box. It, it, I don't know what happened, but when they stopped using sugar, it doesn't it doesn't work right anymore. Like every I that's interesting. I said this is not the same thing because you said Doritos uh, or you said vegetables. But I said to my wife the other night, Doritos don't taste the way they did when we were kids. And I don't eat them because of that. And and it is interesting how the production of food changes the flavor but we don't notice because it happens sort of so slowly and we don't have people like you who remember it from a different time that's interesting um that is really interesting you know uh, tell me i remember that butter tasted so much better Mm -hmm. we got butter from a farmer who churned it and we never got sticks we got a clump and then buttermilk it was just the milk left after the butter formed. It didn't taste like that sour stuff they call buttermilk today. Right. 
You know, it was I, all delicious. Yeah, no kidding, and fresh, and and just organic. There was not much to it other than the than what it was. You know, I just realized I was very close with my my grandmother growing up, and she passed away when I was sixteen, and she was seventy two then. So I just did the math while you were talking about butter. So she'd be a hundred and four today, and I can remember so vividly that she got a microwave when microwaves came out. But she was so scared of it, she'd only ever heat water up in it. She would never do anything else with it. She wouldn't cook with it. And I'm wondering, did that seem very foreign to you when those came out? I think I have a microwave. Mm -hmm. I use it. I have used it. I think it ruins food. And more and more, I would much rather use a real oven. I agree with you. I think it ruins the taste of food. Right. What is your favorite meal? What do you enjoy eating still? Lamb chops. Oh. <laughs> How do you like them made? Uh, oh, with <laughs> I love them with mint. The little mint. No, you've been down south for a while, I guess, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Since I was three years old. No kidding. <laughs> except for college. And then you came back right away again. Where did, yeah. where did you meet your first husband? Right here in Atlanta. He was from New York, got a job in Atlanta, and uh, he was great. Yeah, that's interesting. He was a wonderful guy, and we wrote all during the war. He was overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, We wrote every day. I have every letter he ever wrote me in a cedar chest downstairs I um yeah and he only came home on R&R it's near the end of the war and we got married and he went back overseas again okay so you almost made me cry when you said you have all the letters just so you know I got all uh I got all emotional when you said that that's so wonderful do you ever go back and look at them I cry. Yeah, I would too. I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah, they make me cry. Yeah. No. And I can't, I keep saying I'm going to go through them all, but I just can't. Mm. Do your children know that they exist? Oh, yes. Good. Oh, that's lovely. That really is something else. You must, you must have just seen so many strange things. Um, you know, it, I mean, honestly, like technology. I can remember. Uh, I remember the first time I heard a radio. My father brought one home, and we all sat down on the couch, and he turned it on, and lo and behold, Lord Thomas came out of a box. <laughs> I remember that distinctly. You know, the only story I have like that is that my father brought a VCR home one day. And then we went to a local pharmacy that rented movies in the back. And they had like 20 different movies on those videotapes. And we felt like we were wealthy because no one had them at that point. And I don't know what made my dad do that because we grew up so poor. I don't know what, what made him spend a bunch of money on something like that. But it was it was crazy that that was that. And now... You know, now you watch movies on your phone or on your computer. It's it's just so simple. But I was going to say is that you you lived through so many big leaps in technology, and now 
the technology that we use every day, it doesn't grow as fast anymore. It's just amazing all the things that you've that you've seen and um I mean, even just air travel. Did you do a lot of flying as a as a younger person? Oh yes, I love flying. Do you? Where are some places you've been? <laughs> Lots of places. I have my children all went like butterfly buttercups that you blow, mm. dandelions all over. So I have one son in Oregon. I have one son in Vermont and another son in Ohio. Oh my. It's hard. Uh, my wife and I talk about that a lot. We, we were trying to imagine like letting the kids settle somewhere and then trying to find a central place where we can be reasonably close to them. But I know oh, I went around to all mine. Yeah. Because then if I go to them, I can see all the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, whereas if they came here, just one came. But now that's what happens. Right. And I've been to a lot of countries in Europe. Um, I have been to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um gone on cruises in the Caribbean. Uh, You've been around. Been quite a few places. Yeah. When you would I do- always feel good when I come back to Atlanta. Right. Now, it's a lovely place. I've been to Atlanta a, a number of times, not just to speak, but my son used to go there a lot to play baseball, and I would go with him. Uh, but it gets super. It's so hot there in the summertime. Do you? Can you even go outside in the heat of the summer? How do you handle that? I love it. Do you? <laughs> you would laugh at me when I'm in Atlanta then. I uh we were in a baseball field one day and my son played two games. So it was the second game and I had been outside all day and I found myself I found a telephone pole and I stood next to it and as the sun moved I just kept shimmying around the telephone pole trying to stay in the little shadow that it was making. I thought that sun <laughs> was going to fry me. I really did. But you it's it, it you get used to I it. I can't don't you? remember before we had air conditioning. Oh my. And it's just fine with me. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I guess you your body really does become accustomed to it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Good for you. Oh, I've kept you very long. I did not mean to keep you this long. I'm so sorry. Are you okay for time? Oh, I'm fine. I have nowhere to go. <laughs> so so then I I have nowhere to go. None of us do, right? I don't have anywhere to go either. I do I um Speaking of time, maybe this won't resonate with you, but let me know if it does. As I've gotten older, in the beginning when I was younger, the days felt like they took forever. And then now they whiz by. And now they feel like they go by much more quickly. And I've lost track of the idea of a day. Weeks seem to go by quickly. I sometimes I watch my feet go on the floor in the morning and I just think. Wow, I'm just I'm on a hamster wheel here. It just keeps happening over and over again. Does that feeling ever go away where you're cognizant of time? It gets time goes by faster and faster every day. Do you ever find yourself not worrying about it or is it still something you think about? I can't think about it. I can't worry about it. Right. It keeps whizzing by. Yeah. I I don't worry. I don't worry about it. I just, I'm aware of it, I guess. Right. I don't know if that means. You're aware of it, and time goes faster and faster. Hmm. And it used to go real slow when you were young. 
Yeah. Because you're busy, you think, or because you're not aware of an end? Do you know what I mean? I, I can't give you the reason. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I just, I think about it a lot. And I, I just wondered if it was something that, that maybe one day I would just be alive for so long that I'd stop, I'd stop noticing it. Because there's other things, I, <laughs> you know what I mean, that I don't notice anymore. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It feels like that movie Groundhog Day. Do you ever see that one with, with Bill Murray? Oh, sure. Right? <laughs> Oh my gosh. What do you, um, when you do get out, when, when all, like, what's the first thing you're going to go do when you're able to get out of your house again for enjoyment? I guess just ride around Atlanta. <laughs> to see everything again, right? Maybe go see, go see my, you know, I, I love my step grandchildren. Mm -hmm. It would be great to go see them feel like you're not going to get sick for being there and everything. Have you and Valencia gone for a ride? Have you broken out and just... No. No. The most I've done is on my birthday, I went to the end of my driveway and they had a big parade oh. <laughs> led by fire engines That's and 20 cars. No kidding. All honking. It that, was wild. That's lovely. Did you guys get some video of it? Do you have a little video? Yeah. Do you? Oh, that's wonderful. That's a that's a very nice memory to have. Do, so your town got together and did that? My stepchildren did that. I got that all set up for you. That's very nice. That's lovely. And they had great big, they did it in the middle of the night, a great big signs all across my front yard that said, Happy 100th birthday, Grandma Shirley. My goodness. <laughs> Isn't that nice? That's, listen, I have to say, I, when I was looking at your, your JDRF page, the people making large donations on your behalf, they, the, you must have a lot of good friends that know how hard you've worked on this because there are 5,000, 2,000, there are big donations here. Well, I don't let up. Yeah, right? I'm like, wanting to raise money for JDRF and find a cure. Yeah, well, I hope I hope we can. I And I think, I want to thank you for this talk. This was really lovely. I, I appreciate the time that you spent. I think you're a very interesting man. Thank you. What is your name again? Scott. Scott. Yep. And you do the Juice Box podcast. podcast. That's 100% right. Yep. Okay. I'm going to make sure you have a link to this so that you can hear it and see it if you want to. Um, oh, I do. And I find, and it was nice of you to say interesting. I would have liked if you said handsome, but. Um, oh, <laughs> Yeah, you're handsome, too, and interesting. Thank you, and humble, too, I would say. <laughs> well, I think you're out there pushing for a cure, too, for type 1. I, I'll tell you, Shirley, what I love most about the JDRF is how hard they work in Washington for people with type 1 diabetes, their rights. Um, you know, that stuff that they do is incredibly important. I am incredibly hopeful about a, a cure, but I also know that day-to-day -day advancements that have been made in pumping and glucose monitors are all, they make people's lives better today for diabetes. And I also didn't mention that I work with the advocacy committee. You do, you do with them as well. Have you ever been up to that big thing in Washington that they do, the Children's Congress? No, no. I never went to that, but I, I have been to Washington. On behalf of the JDRF? Well, 
I'm always on behalf of the JR. That's nice. So you'll you'll pro- you'll tell anybody who sits still long enough about diabetes and and the need for this support, right? Right. Yeah. That's very. It's it's just very kind of you to spend your time that way. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure everybody else does too. Um, I'm going to say thank you and uh, and and uh, and goodbye. But this has been really uh, genuinely a nice way to spend my Friday afternoon. Thank you very much. Okay, and I hope I get to talk with you again. Well, that would be nice. We'll do it. Uh, we'll definitely do it on your 110th birthday for sure. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the ne- the next time you have something to share, you let me know. I would love to do this again. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Yep. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Huge thanks to Shirley for coming on and sharing with us a hundred years of perspective and her passion for type 1 diabetes awareness. Please don't forget to support Shirley's campaign to raise money for the JDRF. There are links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Thank you also to Omnipod, Dexcom, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, and Touched by Type 1 for sponsoring the show. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, with the links in your show notes or the ones you'll find at juiceboxpodcast.com to find out more. www.jdrf.org slash go to slash Shirley B. 100.